Good morning and welcome to The Breakfast Show. You're listening right across Australia on 87.6, 87.8, 88, wherever you are on the Faith FM network. And you are joined this morning by myself, Lawson, returning to the studio after hiatus due to sickness and other things. And my awesome co-host, Blair. Blair, how are you doing this morning? Fantastic, Lawson. It's good to be here and it's good to have you back. All right, it's good to be back. Like, I, I mate, I've just been, I've been sick. I've been grinding out, you know, assignments and all, all these things. But no, it's awesome that I could be in here today, you know, on the radio, back to Faith FM, back to work, back to back to getting it done. What, what have you been up to, man? Oh, yeah, keeping busy, been studying, all of those things, work, uh-huh. family. Balancing the joys of life. Oh man, absolutely. Because you're you're working and you're studying, and you're married with kids. So this is this is like it's the trifecta. Yeah, what a life. Yeah. I mean, I'm working and studying. That, that you know the 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 kids thing. You know, you'll I'll get let, them. I'll, I'll, I'll let that come. I'll let that come. Yeah, it'll <laughs> it'll it'll take its time. Oh, that's awesome, man. I am so grateful this morning um, for Strepsils. You know, shout out Strepsils just for for being amazing. Strepsils, um, Lemsip, you know, Lem, uh, Panadol. All the home remedies. That's right. All these things. Um, you know, I, I was feeling a bit sick in the stomach as well over my time. Also, charcoal as well. Charcoal's the best. You just got to drink lots of water when you, when you take charcoal because, uh, yeah, it, um, it makes it a bit harder, you know, getting Whenever a, you travel overseas, out. you cannot forget to take charcoal. Dude, absolutely. It's an essential Have item. you ever been stitched up in a situation like that? Like traveling overseas? You do yeah. it once and you never do it again. Yeah, mate. Absolutely. Oh, man. Throwback to when Lyle and I, and Monica as well, went, went over to Ethiopia, mate. We were the charcoal guns. <laughs> like we, we lived on charcoal over there. Coming up in the breakfast show, we are going to be talking about the Speaker of the House, United States politics. We're also going to be highlighting the situation that is currently happening over in the Middle East with Jerusalem and Hamas, as well as talking about some interesting things that are happening in the world of painting with some awesome interviews and a Bible study. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Enjoyed by myself, Lawson, and Blair as well. And Blair, you are going to give us our first quiz for today. Absolutely. Our first quiz question today, how many baskets were left over after Jesus fed 5,000 with five barley loaves and two small fish? Ah. How many baskets were left over? If you think you know the answer to the question, you can text it through to 0491 and you can get your name in the running to win our prize this week, which mm. is our Bible study guide our, and an accompanying booklet. Yeah. So you can join along with us when we do our encounter with god bible study series each morning absolutely hey again that question was how many baskets were left over after jesus fed five thousand people with five barley loaves and two small fishes which is some feat obviously you know there's a miracle happening there (laughs) because uh you don't get well man i almost gave away the answer i was (laughs) because do it because well let's just say it's more than five (laughs) loaves and two fishes left over which is an amazing, hint, amazing but a, yeah. miracle. But yeah, yeah. Oh, incredible stuff there. Again, that number 0491-064-669. That is the number to text. Hey, I also want to give a shout out this morning to Barrel, New South Wales, listening on 88.0 FM. Have you been down to Barrel, Blair? Absolutely. Great place. Love it. Yeah, this is yeah. so this is down on the south 
Southern side, Highlands. The Southern Highlands yep. of New South Wales. I know a few people from Barrel coming from down that area. I know a few people I've met out at uni and stuff like that. So shout out Barrel. If you're listening in Barrel this morning, yeah, give us a text. Yeah, i got a good friend who runs a, um, what do you call it, a, a dump truck business does all the oh, the the, the uh, collects everything the rubbish runs so yeah they might be picking up your rubbish down there barrel <laughs> that's amazing hey hey and if you're listening and if you're picking up the rubbish and listening this morning give us text hey 0491 that is our number you're listening to the breakfast show this morning here on faith fm and i'm going to be talking about painting Blair, are you a painter? Definitely not. Definitely not. Neither am I. Like, I am a very not artistic person in terms of, like, the visual yeah. arts. Oh, I'm, I'm good on Canva. If, if For those who know what Canva is, yep, which is graphic design. basically it's like a simplified version of Photoshop, but then they give you lots of templates and stuff and you just, like, change some stuff around. I, I, can, I can get my way around Canva. And I've, I've done a bit of Photoshop and whatnot, but drawing or painting or those kinds of things... I am hopeless. Like I am just terrible, but that makes me appreciate it more. I'm like, this is, this is awesome. You know, like people being able to paint, like I had a friend who is like one of the best painters I know. And they like painting, like a, they show me a painting of a hand that they did one time. And it's like, you can see the veins and everything. It's like wow. completely photorealistic. Amazing. And, and they're just like, Oh yeah, it's, you know, it's just, you just like copy. Just I'm inspired by that because you know my 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 drawing and painting abilities are on par with my two year old daughter. Absolutely, uh, yeah. Oh man, has much to be desired. Even my handwriting, like I'm just just when it comes yeah. to wielding some kind of a, a you know something that can lay down some ink, I'm just just awful. So it makes me very much appreciate when I see good paintings, and I think as well a lot of the art coming out of. You know, particularly the 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 last one thousand years um, in in painting and whatnot being very biblical as well, and you go down to the New South Wales Art Gallery and you see like the beautiful paintings there of like Solomon and his you know the temple when uh, the Queen of Sheba came to visit and stuff like that. And these this is a painting that's like the size of the back wall here in the studio, so just absolutely giant. But hey, speaking of paintings that have a biblical theme. There is a famous artist from the 1500s, 1600s. His name is Rembrandt. He is from uh, the Netherlands, and he is like among among like the famous artists in history. You Vincent Van Gogh's these kinds of things. Now he was all about doing photorealistic paintings and painted a number of biblical scenes, like the Prodigal Son and all these different things. There was a painting uh, by Rembrandt. It's called the Adoration of the Kings, and it's like baby Jesus. And the, all the wise men coming from the East. And interestingly, in this painting, there's not three of them because mm. the Bible doesn't specify that there's three of them. That's kind of a thing that we've invented in modern times, but there's a whole host of these, you know, kings coming from the East, most likely from Persia. And they're all there in this like decrepit barn. You can see the star off in the, in the distance. And it's like, it's a beautiful painting, like just an epic, epic painting. Now, this painting kind of floated around over the last couple of centuries and was identified as such, as one of these Rembrandt paintings that's worth a lot of money, is very famous, all these things. Up until the 19th century, in the 1950s, it emerged again, and it was at that time tagged as an actually a non-Rembrandt painting. So they were like, oh, this painting actually isn't Rembrandt, but most likely one of his 
students or something like this. And so that's what it was tagged as in the 50s. And then in 1985, it went up for auction. And because it was a non-Rembrandt, they're like, oh, yeah, we'll sell it for $15,000. You know, it came from the the Rembrandt camp. It ended up going in that auction. The starting price was 15000 Someone bought it for 800000 bucks, uh, which is still a lot of money for a painting. Cause it, but it was like, oh, you know, because it's not a Rembrandt, but it's from the Rembrandt camp. Yeah. Anyways... Uh, you know, some artists have gone through now in, in the, in the modern age, they've gone through with, with AI and, and digital verification and the scanning and whatnot, going over and looking at this painting and comparing it to the other paintings. And they're like, no, this is definitely a Rembrandt painting. It's, oh. it's not a copy. It's not one of the, it's not one of the students. This is 100% a Rembrandt. I bet painting. that was a good investment for them. And it has now been valued at $18 million, Oof. which, for a painting is a lot. I mean, there are some, uh, yeah, you know, paintings going for for hundreds of millions of, of dollars uh, in, in other circles. But yeah, imagine buying a painting, you know, being an art lover and being like, I'm going to invest $860,000 into a painting because you just like it. And, and also, the, you know, the biblical themes and the art history and everything. You're like, wow, this is such an epic painting. I mean, that is and a painting. And then it turns out being I mean, that, that's just amazing. And that is a painting I could really get behind. You yeah. know, those biblical themes mm. and scenes. How exciting, how awesome. I'd love to see it. I'm going to have to Google it. Oh, yeah. No, it's a beautiful painting. It's like, obviously, from the 1500s. And so it's quite old now. And it hasn't had, over its time, you know, the, the Mona Lisa treatment of, like, the airtight uh, vault and whatnot. So there is, like, looking at a... They've got a scan of the painting here. And, but you can see, like, all the colours are still there. And I, I actually... I love the palette of this painting. I'll show you. I'll show you. I love it. It's, like, a little bit muted in colour. And it just... It's it's a very kind of serious and somber depiction of, like, this is what the birth of Jesus would have looked like. Decrepit barn, these wise men from, uh, you know, from the east coming and... and paying their respects and, and worshipping the Son of God as he was born. And it actually reminded me of, of a parable of Jesus, the, well, the parable of the pearl of great price. You know, it's like, yes. the, and I, I think the particular aspect of, about that parable is that the pearl of great price is inside a piece of land, like a bi- there's a big yes. piece of land. And that big piece of land is valuable in and of itself. It's like owning land is is incredibly it's an asset. It's an asset. It's valuable, particularly for these people. Like the land was very much valued in Israel because they were sheep grazers and farmers and these kinds of things. You know, it's like, oh yeah, it's your livelihood. That's right. But it was that. Oh hey, this land. Yeah, sure, it's valuable and can provide wealth and whatnot. But it was there was one pearl of great price. This little pearl on this land that is worth even more than the land itself. And that's what they were going for. So no, I think this is really cool. This, this person oh, buying this painting because it's part of art history and it's, oh yeah, it's coming from the Rembrandt camp and whatnot. But oh, all of a sudden, actually it's a genuine Rembrandt itself. Hey, we just got a text coming through from Anna. She says, Hey Lawson and Blair, this is Anna from Barrel SDA church. Last Sabbath Barrel church celebrated. It's 100th oh, year yeah, that's awesome. in Barrel. It was a wonderful reunion of members past and celebrating God's leading over the last century. We look forward to his continued leading. That is so epic. How good is that? That is so cool. You know, I have been waiting, and you as well, Blair, like we've been a part of church plants for the last, you know, uh, for me, up until 2023, being a part of church plants for the last five years, and it's cool to, you know, be a part of new churches, but to have a church there, 
a hundred years of doing God's work in the community there in Barrel, reaching people. Man, praise God for the amazing stuff that's happening there. And Anna, thank you so much for texting us in. Absolutely. I mean, just well. think about all of the amazing things that have happened in that hundred years. Praise yeah, God. Yeah. And the way that people have been reached with a message of a soon returning Christ. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. You are listening to the Breakfast Show this morning, and we are going to have our next quiz. Zipporah was the wife of which patriarch? Oh, there you go. Nice, which, nice and simple, straight to the point. Which patriarch was Zipporah married to? If you think you know the answer to that question, you can text it through to zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. You can get your name in the running to win our prize this week, which we'll be drawing on Friday. And that question again: Zipporah was the wife of which? Patriarch, um, And, of course, a reminder as well, if you want to play not for the prize but just for the fun, you can put a little star next to your name, text mm. it through, and we'll note that down. So that number again, 0491-064-669, and you can text the answer through. Absolutely, guys. Give us a text. Let us know the answer. And if you do, you'll go into the draw to win. Blair, what is happening in the world of current news? Oh, so much stuff happening. You know, we've we've got the conflict in Israel going on. We've got the political situation yes. in the US with the Speaker of the House. But I want to start with something a little bit more local. Uh-huh. In a very recent... Uh, the, just uh, just this week, there's been a story breaking in Australia. Um, do you remember Des Hasler from last year? Yeah, well, I, I know who Des Hasler is because he's the famous footballer, That's trash right. coach, manly. You know, he's a Newcastle Knights rival, so we hate Des Hasler, actually. We might not. <laughs> oh, okay, there we go. <laughs> but, uh, he's, just, he's, he's like a footy legend. But yeah, Des yes. Hasler, so, the footy legend. So, but last year, controversy. Absolutely. So they had the whole situation where, the, you know, there was the, uh, the pride round in mm. the NRL and Des Hasler uh, was basically uh, in the... Caught in the middle of a big controversy there because mm. seven of his players, the Manly Seven, decided not to play that particular mm. round. And uh, Des Hasler kind of criticised the club leadership for the way that there had been no consultation mm. with the team players. It was just kind of dumped on them. Mm. And, uh, you know, that whole situation ran down. Well, uh, pretty much straight after, uh, ultimately that little s- segment, that saga when the, the Manly Seven stepped out of that round of the game, they lost. Mm. And no surprise when you lose seven of your star players. Yeah. Uh, it kind of set the, the trend for a losing match. Like they yeah. just, the, they lost the next eight matches and they kind of ended up uh, on the dropping out of the top six. Yeah. And he ended up losing his contract. He got wow. fired in October last year. Uh-huh. And so uh, that's that's a year ago now. Well, pretty much straight after he was fired, he was let go of his contract 12 months earlier. He started, uh, he started speaking with the club and he signals his intention to file some legal action mm. uh, because of unfair dismissal. Mm. And he, he basically said uh, it's, it was on the, the leadership of the club for the way they handled that yeah. uh, pride round saga, not on his, not necessarily a reflection on his coaching. Mm. Yeah. And, uh, which I think is, you know, he's definitely got a case to argue there. Yeah, absolutely. So, so this, this whole thing took place. Well, Des, they were having conversations with their lawyers and whatnot. Then that's been going on in the background for the last 12 months, but they've obviously had a stalemate and Des has now, they're now set for a legal showdown with the Seagulls. They're going to court wow. and, uh, it's, it's going to be covering all of this again. They're set to have civil proceedings uh, commencing in 
uh, on the 20th of October this month, a couple of, uh, just next week. And so, uh, this is going to be an interesting case to follow and, and, and watch along with to see, uh, how he goes. Of course, he's now happily transitioned over to the, uh, three year contract over at Gold Coast. Mm-hmm. So he's, um, he's on, to new things with yeah, the Gold wow. Coast Titans. Yeah, um, they, they were like, oh, you, Manly doesn't want you, we'll take you. Yeah, Absolutely. so they, they've capitalized on the situation and he's, you know, he's, he's got a, a great position there that he seems to be enjoying. However, uh, it will be very fascinating to watch along with this uh, mm. with this case and see how it unravels because, of course, this was a big, large cultural moment. Yeah. Uh, the Manly Seven standing up for conviction and what they were, uh, you know, their Christian worldview. Mm. And the pressure they received from the media at the time, I think, absolutely was unfair and unwarranted. Yeah, so, the yeah. pressure that they received from the media, but also the club. Like, this is the reality. And I think this case will set a precedent of how far can an employer extend their own values and ideals against the values and ideals of a particular person. Yeah, if a, if a person has a value ideas, which, again, religion is and and those convictions are protected under the fair work act and so yeah it's like do do, does an employer have the right to extend their convictions and their ideology over a group of people and obviously like those plays didn't play and now you know des is receiving the brunt of of the consequences for and it's like is that fair is that fair for, for the outcome to be, oh, someone loses their job because of this situation um, that was started over a club enforcing, uh, well, an employer enforcing their ideology? So we'll see. It's a very, very important case. Yeah, so that was, I, f- I thought that was quite an interesting little story. Mm-hmm. Um, jumping across to the US, okay, we have had the situation unfolding over the last week or so with the US House of Representatives, uh, with the Speaker, Kevin McCarthy, being removed, mm-hmm. which was quite the the story last week, wow. um, and it it ha- happened in spectacular fashion. Basically, um, there was a conservative faction of the Republican Party that were dissatisfied. They were they weren't happy with the way McCarthy was running, particularly mm. around the point of him uh, making a promise to them when he was elected in January and mm. concessions, which he then went back on in a spectacular fashion, and they they basically held him to point for it and it resulted in him being ousted from the Speaker position. Yeah. So this this kind of situation, though, is unprecedented. It hasn't happened in the more than 150-year history of the the uh, of the, sp- uh, the House and the operation. So this was kind of like wild stuff, uh, unprecedented stuff. We, we're getting a lot of that these days, aren't we? And... Um, and so what they've, what's been happening in the last week or so is that story has broken is that the Republican House, they're trying to get, a, a, elect a new speaker. Yeah. Uh, the, the, a, an interim speaker was put in place, uh, Rep. Patrick McHenry. Mm. Uh, he was nominated uh, prior to, uh, McCarthy taking the role. He had to nominate a few people who would be backups. And so he's just been automatically put in as a bit of an interim speaker, uh, who is kind of a temporary leader of the House at, at this time. Mm. But the ability of the House to function and, you know, pass legislation and other important functions of the House are seriously curtailed or limited without having an elected speaker. And mm-hmm. so the, all of the pressure is now on getting a new speaker. However, that is where the tension is as well because they, ha- they haven't been able to 
there's been some division on that in the, yeah. in the party. And, <laughs> and this is the, the thing within both of the parties, and this was like the call from the Democratic um, leader of the House as well, Hakeem Jeffries. He said, oh, like, this is, this is a big thing. Is it's basically the, there is a divide within both parties see, and, and what we're seeing unfolding in the United States of a kind, like a centrist and then a, a far end of, of for, for both the Democrats and the Republicans, Correct. and it's like with so within their own parties, the the spectrum is growing so wide because of the various opinions that people have, feelings about all of these different issues, and particularly in the in the social setting, that uh, that yeah, it, it leads to a situation where the Republican Party. Well, there's a group of them that feel unsatisfied. There's a group of them that support, and for the Democrats, it's the same. And and, and yeah, it's just a real reflection of. As our world gets bigger and bigger, I mean, in the sense that more people are here, but smaller and smaller in the sense that more people are connected and you've got all these different cultural influences. You've got all these questions coming up regarding all these issues and whatnot. That's right. Increased polarization. That's right. And all of that, you know, it it happens in the world. It happens Mm. even in the church as well. We try to grapple with ideas and all these Mm. things. What's really fascinating as this is all happening is that um, in the weeks gone by since they've been looking for a leader, a speaker of the house uh, Trump put his hand up yeah and he said look I'll, I'll, I'll do it if, if they want me to I'll do it I'll help out <laughs> uh, <laughs> and so he's, he's, his name was on the cards he said he'd be happy to do it and there was also two other names that have gone forward Steve Scalise and uh, Jim Jordan uh-huh. to uh, neither of them have been able to get enough support to mm-hmm. actually go through at this stage mm-hmm. and so um, both of them have serious uh, support and high ranking positions and endorsements from others in the party but none of them have been able to get enough to get over the line here. Mm. Um, Jim Jordan has the uh, the privilege of being endorsed by Trump, and mm. so he's you know he feels like he's uh, got something there too. But yeah, look, they haven't quite got there. They've had a few meetings to try to get through it, um, but haven't elected someone yet. So it'll be mm. interesting to see how that one unfolds and what implications that has for the future of politics in America, yeah. which we always follow with interest. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Our next quiz, please, Blair. All right. The next question is, (laughs) what is the longest book in the Bible? Yes. Simply that. Simple. Longest book in the Bible. If you think you know the answer, you can text it through to us, 0491-064-669. And that question again, what is the longest book in the Bible? Mm Mm-hmm. Do you know the answer? If you do, text it through to us. Absolutely. And if you're familiar with the Bible, I think you'll have some pretty pretty good guesses. It's not 2nd John or 3rd John, which is <laughs> the shortest book. Uh, so, yeah, if you know the answer, again, that number is 0491-064-669. the number to text. Hey, you're listening to The Breakfast Show this morning, and we have on the line none other than Jennifer Skews. Jennifer, are you there with us? I am. Oh, Jennifer, we are so glad to have you on the show this morning, our resident mental health expert to talk about all things good mental health and how we can manage and deal. I've been I've been physically sick uh, for the, the last week or so. Oh, huh? man, going going on a, maybe almost a couple weeks now. I've been physically sick, but, I, you know, I, I think that that being said, um, it, it's also good to, to get some perspective on uh, on some tips on how we can have good mental health as well. Yes, that's right. When you're physically sick, it can bring you down emotionally. Absolutely. 
Oh, it makes you sad because it's like I, I think the one thing that gets me is like not being able to leave my room. That, that's kind. Of, I was at that state <laughs> over the last week where I was like feverish and sweaty and dizzy, and I'm like, oh, I'm stuck in my room, and it's just just the worst thing ever. And then yeah, it just makes you sad because you can't do the things you want to do, and you can't yeah. you, you can't you know maybe kick the goals that you're trying to kick because it seems a little bit out of reach. It's yeah, it's tough. It is, and it's, it creates social isolation, which affects mm. your emotions as well. Mm. But it's, um, but I'm glad that you're back and you're oh, feeling better, mate. I'm <laughs> back. I'm into it, and we are keen, <laughs> Jennifer Skews. We're excited to get into our topic for today, which which okay. is. Well, we've been talking about emotional intelligence, IQ mm-hmm. and EQ, and emotional intelligence is our emotional maturity. Mm-hmm. And last week we started to talk about it and have a look at it. Mm. Um, it is, there can be, even though last week I said um, it's, well, it's predominantly learned, not inherited, but we do inherit that personality. We have personality factors, which mm-hmm. can be to do with our emotions because we can have a more sensitive personality, a more caring one, more empathy. You know, we can uh, be more intellectually prone. So there is that factor, but generally we learn emotional intelligence or learn about emotions. Mm. And uh, there are some basic components that make up our emotional intelligence. It can be measured, but generally it's more a self-assessment, which Mm. we will sort of look about as we go. But I had a look. um, There are lots of different um, components and people talk about it like online. I looked at uh, different research studies, but Dr. Neil Nedley looked at five basic components of emotional intelligence that most of the research seems to identify and the first one is knowing your emotions Mm. so how do you know your emotions Mm. if someone says how are you feeling how do you know uh well i guess i guess it's it's a bit intuitive right well it's like okay Mm -hmm. how are you feeling and you can reflect on oh well uh, well, there's a physical sense, but then also, like, I feel like I always get contemplative when people ask me that question, like, how are you feeling? And then I start to think about, oh, well, what's going on in my life? And what yeah. am I doing? And, and, and uh-huh. the, these kinds of things. And uh, it, yeah, it's, it's really, it's really interesting. But yeah, when, when someone asks me how I'm going, that's actually, that's actually a huge question. I'm, it I'm, is. <laughs> I'm just realizing because- now. Yeah, if I ask someone, like, um, you know, someone I can see they're looking a bit sad or whatever mm. it might be. It might be a friend, might be in a session or whatever. Uh-huh. And I say, well, how are you feeling? And I go, I don't know. Uh, oh, you know, classic. they can't identify the feeling, uh-huh. can't put a name to it. So mm. it's important to understand the way we're feeling mm-hmm. um, and starting to get in touch with that emotion because it is reflected. Often you look at someone's face, you can sort of tell a bit about their emotional content sure. at the time, mm-hmm. even if they're not aware of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, you say, oh, you're looking a bit sad today. Go, oh, yeah, this happened. They don't realize it. They're feeling it, but they're not recognizing it. Yeah. You, you do pick up on those cues like in the face and whatnot and how someone's walking and their like posture and yes. it's like, oh, you seem tired or you seem upset or, or you seem happy. You know, they might be skipping along down the road and they're just, they're just living their best life. So yeah, yes. it's, we, we see that we pick up on that. And then I guess as empathetic people try to respond appropriately and be like, oh, you know, why are you sad? Ask them those kinds of questions. Yeah, that's, and I guess that that's a lot of what you'd be doing in your work. 
Well, it is, and it's uh, important, and it's important for, certainly for the work I do. Mm. But one of the other aspects, as you touched on, is recognising emotions in others. Mm. And if we don't know our own feelings, it's hard to recognise it in others. Mm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so, yeah, recognizing how we're feeling, looking at that in others, and I guess just being more conscious and adept at looking at, you know, those emotions in others thing gives us the ability to, to relate with others and it does. and to connect with others and to better serve others as well. Absolutely, because if we don't identify emotions in others, we don't say or do things that might make them feel worse or they might not feel validated or valued. Mm-hmm. So it's important. That, so there's different aspects of emotions, but I think yeah. if you don't know the way you're feeling, and I'm not saying walk around going, how am I feeling, how am I feeling, but maybe <laughs> recognise your emotions, uh, maybe at a certain point of the day, go, oh, yeah, I'm feeling a bit down. What's that about? Mm. Like for you, when you were sick, it was obvious that's going to make you feel flat or down. Yeah. But uh, particularly with emotions like depression and anxiety, usually mm. first thing in the morning is worst for people who suffer those feelings, mm. um, particularly intensely. But that can be because of the sleep cycle. They might have mm. had a dream they're not aware of, the biochemical factors when you wake up in the morning. But one of the things that can boost you emotionally is get out and go for a walk. Absolutely. Oh, get outside. is the yep. best. And even just a 10-minute walk, if you're not used to doing things like that, get out in the fresh air, if there's sunshine, um, and just doing things Mm. in the morning can really pick up the mood. Even if you're feeling okay, you'll feel much better if you do something like Mm. that. Get out in the sun, do things that will improve your mood. So getting to know the way you are emotionally, the other one is managing your emotions. Mm. So how do you manage your emotions? If you're someone's talking to you and you start reacting, how do you manage that reaction, Mm. right? Because if we don't manage it, we can overreact or underreact. Yes. And uh, that's uh, not a good thing. So to be able to have that button press where you can feel the emotions rising but sit with it and not action it but be aware of it and do something with that feeling Mm. Um, and sometimes breathing it through, checking it out with the other person, is that what they really mean? Because often Mm. we misinterpret things and react. Um, I don't know if you've had anyone overreact to you and you go, what did I do? Absolutely. (laughs) And and vice versa as well. And I think that's the blessing of taking Mm. some time to go, oh, man, take stock of how I'm feeling and whatnot so that you don't Mm. take those steps. Because, yeah, it ultimately, it, it hurts people for nothing, really. And as as the Bible says as well, I believe it's either in the in the Psalms or the Proverbs. It's like you know, a quick word brings wrath and anger. And yes. it's when we can just be quick rather than you know just slow and and logical and and just hey, take some time to relax and calm down. It actually reminds me. So while I study, I set alarms while I'm studying. And that alarm goes off to tell me to stop studying because what will happen is I'll get like sucked into what I'm doing. And mm-hmm. I'll do like one, like two hour burst. And by, mm. the, and by the end of that two hours, like I'm just spent mentally. I'm like really mm. taxed. It's like two hours where there's no breaks, no distractions, no anything. Maybe two, three hours, something like that. I'll just get fully sucked in. And then I'll get to the end of that two hours. And then after that, like my effectiveness at study for the rest of the day will be severely 
less like well, that's, like yeah, that's uh, to do with the IQ. Yeah. But but even that I can feel it like in in a very uh in a very what's the word? Um physical sense of like if I set those alarms for me to take kind of just regular short breaks in my study like every 25 minutes just like like 25 minutes on 5 minutes off man I can go I can go all day because it's like okay I'm just mm. taking stock of how I'm feeling I'm just resetting okay. and then yeah. and then getting back into it and I feel like emotionally yeah. we have a need to to do that as well to go okay yeah. you know, how am I feeling where am I at and uh, let's try and do things yes. to boost the mood and it's good yeah, it's a good policy for people to stop, take a few deep breaths and look at what's going on and how am I feeling. Mm. Um, and it's not about sitting in your feelings all the time, but doing mm. a bit of a feelings check is really helpful mm. um, because the other thing with emotions is then how we're feeling is managing relationships mm-hmm. because when you are with someone, um, your emotions affect them and their emotions affect you. Mm-hmm. And this is where... Um, a lot of work I do will be sometimes with people in relationships or trying to help them deal with relationships and mm. emotions are the killer for it. Mm. You know, they're feeling angry, hurt. You know, they're very intense emotions. So this is where, again, we have to step back and manage those and look at why. And this is where the brain, even though we are intelligent, can do what we call emotional reasoning. Mm. In other words, we think with our feelings, which is very dangerous. Oh, yeah, it's, absolutely. Um, mm, I feel angry, therefore they deserve it, and you, mm. out, it comes out of your mouth, for example. Yeah. Um, or we can feel too good. We can be on an emotional high where we feel too good. Mm. And I'm sure that's something you've experienced. Oh, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I, feel like, I feel like it's both ends. Well, yeah. it's those people who... Like, like when I think of crime, for example, it's like those people who do like really, who, you know, really cold and collected, you know, crime, like serial killer or something where they're like a psychopath and, and whatnot. But then I feel like it's like so much crime and like the, like the, the road rage or the car crash or the, the, the fight that breaks out at the, the pub when people are drinking, whatever it may be. It, it, it comes from that, that moment in which, someone didn't take stock of their emotions. They didn't take stock of how they were feeling and they completely overacted. And, and just some of the awful stories that had come out of that, Mm -hmm. you know, where someone, someone gets hit and dies or something like that. And, and no one, no one wanted that to be the outcome, but in the the moment, the emotions were riding high and it led to something awful. But this is where we need to learn as we go. This is what emotional intelligence is about, Mm. is managing our emotions. As I said, reading them in others, being able to manage relationships Mm. and own the way we feel emotionally is Mm. very, very important. Mm. So because the quality of life has to do with our emotional content. Mm. Someone who's depressed most of the time, their quality of life is very, very low Mm. to the point where sometimes they don't want to keep going on, which is very sad. Mm -hmm. So this is where um, as we get older, if we don't learn to manage emotions, then it can get too much for us. It can Mm. get worse. But this is where the good news is with emotional intelligence, we can do, we can change it at any time. Mm. We can learn to grow emotionally. 
Mm. And that means we can contain the emotions. And I find one of the most powerful things is when you're starting to feel emotionally, what happens you when emotions rise is a physical component, which is that fight flight where we get the adrenaline pumping and that drives us emotionally. So this is where if you can stop and do some breathing, calm it down. Um, there was an old thing when my, when I was young, it was like if my father was uh, a bit out there and not happy or feeling angry, he'd be told to go out and count to 10 because Classic. slowing it down by the counting and the breathing, you actually slow the emotion down where you can, you can be the observer versus the participant, mm. and that's being mindful. Mm. So we need to observe emotions and not just action them the whole t- time. Uh, um, absolutely. And. Mm. We like being around joyful people. Yeah. I feel like Absolutely. it's mm. a huge step in maturity as well. Like people who can yes. just be calm and collective, it's like, oh, those people are, are mature. And because you see people be immature who and doesn't matter regardless of age mm. because they act impulsively and on emotions. Actually, just, just speaking to that real quickly, I got a funny story. So I, um, I have the privilege of, I coach a bunch of kids how to ride motorbikes, uh, which is cool. I get to do that once a week, every week. And I, I teach these kids how to ride bikes and, uh, and sometimes when they'll have a crash, like particularly there's, there's this one little girl, she's like six years old, she crashes a fair bit and she'll crash and she'll lay on the ground just like screaming and crying, like freaking out that she's had this crash and she's hyperventilating and, and you could have sworn like she's broken every bone in her body, like when she's had this crash, she's, you know, cause she's just been so shocked by it and whatever it may be. But then you go up to her and you just start talking her through and it's like, okay, can you move your hands? Like, she's like, I can't move. I'm dying. I'm like, can you move your hands? And she's like, yes. I'm like, okay, can you move your feet? You know, can you touch your hands? to your feet and then, and then eventually like a minute later she's like standing up she's absolutely fine and just gets back on the bike and keeps riding well, that's, <laughs> but, she's, yeah, she's learned to be a bit of a drama queen yeah, as we yeah, say yeah, that's let's, right let, let's create a lot of emotional content here and overreact to a situation yeah absolutely and i mean i, I see i see it a lot like kids it's just how kids are because they're they're little and they're emotionally immature mm. and, and as we grow and whether it be if you know from motorbike crash or yeah when those difficult situations hit us in life to be emotionally mature enough to take stock of where you're at and and if, work yeah, logically if, you, you if you don't then what happens is you grow up becoming a dram- dramatic person mm. and uh, and drama is very self-oriented mm. and someone who's emotionally mature will not be totally self-oriented they'll have self-awareness but they will be able to connect out Mm. So this is where there won't be that social isolation factor and they Mm. will then have empathy for people Mm. and they will connect with people. Mm. So this is where we need to be aware. One of the things that is evident is that when we have an emotional reaction, if we have sat on a lot of emotional issues in the past, it's a mm. trigger to drag up that emotional memory. Yeah. So how do you know in the present whether your emotions are in order or not is by our reaction. Is it an overreaction or an underreaction? Mm. Um, and sometimes someone can say something to you and you have this mighty reaction. They go, what's wrong with you? Um, it's a loaded gun. We now are, every time that sort of thing's happened to us, we've stored that emotion and we now react in the present. In fact, about 90% of our emotional reaction in the present can often be from the past. Mm. It's loaded. 
Absolutely. It amplifies. So that's something you can remember to be able to recognize how are my emotions going? Well, hang on, I got a bit upset about that, overreacted, and explore it. Look at it. Mm. Why did I do that? Mm. What is that about? And how can I now contain it and get my emotions in proportion to the event? Mm. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1 800 Faith FM.